Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 7 tonight. We had a big week in our country, didn't we? Um, and uh, I, I don't have any illusions that everyone in this room feels the same way about it. Um, this country has been so divided for uh, a long time about many different things, uh, particularly when it comes to culture. Um, My purpose tonight is not to talk about elections, uh, not to talk about politics. Yet, um, I want to try to encourage us, and I want to try to um, help us uh, to... Trust in Jesus, to trust in our King, uh, regardless of who's in the White House or how we feel about that. Uh, The Bible tells us not to trust in kings or princes, but to trust in the Lord. And uh, 1 Peter, um, I think, is is extremely relevant to, um, to our day. First uh, Peter was written to suffering believers in the midst of um, a hostile world. Uh, we've seen already that uh, believers, uh, as we've been going through the book of First Peter, um, I say we've seen already, but there are a few here that are here for the first time tonight. <laughs> I've been going through First Peter uh, since midsummer, uh, but. Those of us who have been here, we've seen already that 1 Peter is, uh, is about, he, he calls believers strangers and aliens. How, how we are to live in a way that we remember that this world is, in a sense, not our home. Uh, we, are, we are strangers and aliens, uh, and, and, and the world around us doesn't understand us. The, the world around us thinks we're strange, uh, and, and that's normal. That's normal. Uh, you know, we, we uh, Christians, for the last hundred years and probably longer, we have felt a sense of cultural dominance. And we've felt like, you know... Um, That that uh, um, that this is our country, right? <laughs> and, and and who da- how dare anybody try to take away our our country? <laughs> that that's the way many Christians have felt. Um, but the truth is, this world is not our home. <laughs> mm-hmm. This world is, is is there's two senses here. Uh, first of all, uh, Jesus, he said, you know, the meek will inherit the earth, right? Uh, and, and when he returns, um, 
We're not going to just float around on a cloud forever. But when He returns, our bodies will be raised from the graves and we will live with Him forever in a new heavens and a new earth. And in that sense, yes, this world is our home. But in this now, in in the present day, in what the Bible calls this present evil age, we live in a time in which the world is hostile to us as believers. So how are we to live in the midst of this present evil age? We've seen many things already in 1 Peter that he tells us to do. We are to uh, be holy as he is holy as believers. We're to fear God. We're to, to uh, love one another deeply. And, and we're to, to live in submission to authority. And all of the different things that he's told us to do. We're so, so supposed to embrace suffering, looking to the example of Jesus. All of these things are, are themes that we see here in 1 Peter. And tonight... We come to a passage where um, it almost seems like he's about to close the letter. Uh, yet, he doesn't close the letter. He, keep, he picks it back up again in, in chapter 5. But um, it is kind of a summary. And he comes to the point, you know, in, in, the, last, um, in the last passage we looked at, looked at last week, there's a reference to the final judgment. Um, verse 6 that we looked at last week says, For this is why the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that though though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. So this this reference to the final judgment. And Peter begins this one by saying, The end of all things is at hand. We live in this world as believers. Since the time Peter wrote these things, with, a, with the understanding that we are living in the last days. And m- many people today might think that because of the results of the election last Tuesday, that we didn't really find out about until yesterday maybe, that maybe that's a sign that the end times are on us. Peter says, the end of all things is at hand 2,000 years ago. Believers... We've been living in the last days since Jesus ascended into heaven and promised he was coming again. We, we live in the last days, yes. We're right if we're thinking we live in the last days. And he could come at any time. Let's go ahead and read our text, beginning in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded, For the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we pray that You would comfort us by these words. 
We pray that you would help us to know how it is that we are to live in the midst of a hostile world. Lord, help us, um, Lord, to be obedient to your word. Help us to love what your word says that we are to do. And help us not to cling to political power, but to trust in you, the King of Kings. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everything that Peter is telling us to do in this passage is grounded in that first statement. The end of all things is at hand. It's near. Peter and and the New Testament writers had an understanding that the end of the ages is upon us. Jesus has come, the one who the Old Testament prophesied, the Messiah who who, uh, was promised to Adam and Eve whenever they they were told uh, that there would be a seed of the woman who would come and crush the serpent's head. This one who had been promised since the very beginning finally had come. And the end of the ages is upon us. He he has ascended into heaven where he sits now, awaiting the time when he will come again, no longer like a meek baby in a manger, but when he comes again, he will come as king and he will put all of his enemies under his feet. The end of all things is in hand. So how ought we to live with the understanding that we are living in the last days. How are we to live in the midst of the last days? He tells us first, therefore, because we're living in the last days, because the end of all things is at hand, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The opposite of being self-controlled and sober-minded might be panic. How many people panicked when they found out the results of the election? <laughs> the end, uh, the, 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 we are not to be people who panic We're not to be people who who fear. We're not to be people who cling to power. But at the same time, we are to be people who are sober-minded and self-controlled. We are to think clearly about reality. It is difficult to think clearly in our world today. We have so much media bombarding us, right? Facebook, Twitter, the evening news, not just the evening news, but the 24-hour news cycle. And, and all of the information that is coming at us would be something that could distract us and keep us from being sober-minded and self-controlled. We don't want to take up arms because we feel like our guy didn't get in. <laughs> no, that's... No, we're to be self-controlled. If we understand that the end of all things is at hand, if we understand that, that Jesus is coming soon and that, that He is going to one day come and 
put all of his enemies under his feet, that there will be righteousness and justice that reigns from sea to sea, then we can live with a sobriety and not be distracted by all the things around us in the media. We can live with self-control by understanding that it's soon. He's coming. Whether that is in our lifetimes or whether we just realize the fact that our life is just a vapor. Our lives are short. It's just a short period of time before we will see Jesus face to face. Either as our Savior or as our judge. And we ought to live in light of the fact that life is short and Jesus is coming. And we are to be sober-minded and to be clear-thinking about reality and the nature of reality. The Bible tells us what reality is. Not philosophy, not culture. The culture will only confuse us and distort what reality is. The Bible can give us a good grasp on what reality is so that we can be clear-thinking and sober-minded. The next thing he tells us, for the sake of your prayers. Oh, why are we to be, to, to be sober-minded and self-controlled? It's for the sake of our prayers. Um, there's been a couple of references already in the book of 1 Peter about doing things for the sake of our prayers. Uh, whenever it tells husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way, um, back in chapter 3, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And that's followed up by a, a quotation from the psalm, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears, and his ears are open to their prayers. We want to be able to think rightly about the nature of reality so that, so that when we pray, we're praying rightly. That he would hear our prayers. The next line. I'm off on the wrong page. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Here, this is not the first time we've heard this in 1 Peter. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, um, he tells us in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from, in a, pure, from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. He's saved us as believers. Believers are saved in order that we might be a community that loves one another. That's the end goal of our salvation. 
God Jesus' death and resurrection reconciles us to God and it reconciles us to one another as well. And so, so that we love one another. Where there was once hostility, and who can think of a, of a bigger hostility than between Jew and Gentile in Jesus' day? Racial hostility. He brings the two together into one new man in Jesus. We love one another, not just those who are like us, but those who are different. He brings us together, people from different backgrounds, uh, different socioeconomic statuses, people from different languages and cultures, brings people from all of those different backgrounds together into one new man in Jesus Christ. And on that basis, we are to love one another earnestly. Tells us above all, this is the most important thing, right? First, he tells us to be sober minded and self controlled, but then above all, get this this is the most important thing. Above all, love one another. How are we to be known as Jesus' disciples? By our love for one another, right? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Truly, not, not like uh, a, a hypocrite, not just putting on a face and treating each other politely because we have to. <laughs> no, really, truly, from the heart, with, with real earnest affection for one another. We are to love one another without hypocrisy, but to love one another earnestly, Since love covers a multitude of sins. There could be two ways of understanding this. One might be, and I don't think this is right. I'm going to say the one I think is wrong first. One person, one, someone might understand this to say, by loving other people earnestly, my sins can be covered. Right? You get that? By, by loving one another, I'm atoning for my sins. But that goes against the grain of what I think the Bible teaches about the gospel. Okay? By what, what it, I believe it's saying to us is when we love one another, Proverbs tells us that love overlooks the wrongdoing. When we love one another, we're not going to get so ticked off at each other. <laughs> Instead, we, we, we will turn a blind eye to the faults in one another. We will, we will be covering over the faults in one another. Love is, I've heard it said, is like the lubricant that keeps relationships smooth. We, we are sinners, and, and each one of us can say, you know, we've had people who irritate us, right? We've had people who get on our nerves. But if we love the way that God calls us to love one another, then that irritant in our life does not have to be ultimate. Instead, we can overlook the flaws that, that we see and that we observe in other people and love them in spite of it. 
We can love people even if they voted for the other guy. Right? We can love people. Because love covers a multitude of sins. We've been forgiven so much. As believers, we've been forgiven so much. Jesus tells us we are to forgive others because we've been forgiven so much. Right? The, the parable uh, of, of, the, of the man who had been forgiven this great, great, great vast amount uh, of a debt uh, to, to a, a landowner or some, someone he owed what would be might comparable to a million dollars or more, billion dollars, okay, was forgiven that debt. And then as he was going out and, and uh, uh, on his way, he met someone who um, owed him just a little bit. Let's say it was five bucks. And that one who owed him just a small amount couldn't pay. And so the man who'd been forgiven took this one who had only only owed him just a small amount and, and took him to the jailer and threw him in debtor's prison. That was not the way to live in response to forgiveness. Jesus says that uh, when the, 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 the landowner found out about it, he, he got the man who had, he had initially forgot, forgiven this great vast amount and, and threw him in the prison and said that you, he would not get out until he had paid every last penny. Believers, our, the way we ought to forgive 70 times 7, we ought to forgive like there is no end in sight because we have been forgiven so much by Jesus. If we don't feel the weight of that, maybe it's because we don't realize how much we've been forgiven by Jesus. Maybe we don't realize that our sin was deserving of so much wrath of God. Our, the, 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 the horrendousness of our sin is demonstrated by the fact that it took the death of the Son of God that we could be saved. We love one another and we cover over. We, we don't look at their flaws. doesn't mean that we don't recognize that they're there. But we love them in spite of them because we've been forgiven so much. Verse 9 Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The, the spread of the gospel in the early church was dependent on hospitality. As preachers would go from community to community, what did Jesus teach them to do? To go and find someone to stay with? And, and, and believers uh, would need to be the kind of people who would welcome preachers into their homes so that they could stay there in that community and, and preach the gospel. Uh, and in the same way, um, um, Rosaretta, Rosaria Butterfield uh, recently wrote a book called uh, um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Uh, and in that, she argues that the most effective means of evangelism today is hospitality. Things haven't changed much. Having people into your home. Sharing meals together. P 
Here Peter is telling us, in the midst of a hostile world, how can we get through to people for evangelism? Open up our homes and and, and be hospitable to people. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. How often is it, can it be our tendency to show hospitality and be all polite whenever someone's there and then whenever they're gone, we start complaining? <laughs> we, might, we might think, uh, they want to come over again? <laughs> or, 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 man, couldn't they be more considerate? I mean, uh, couldn't, couldn't they have given me a little bit more notice before they showed up? Not pointing any fingers. <laughs> I had promised I haven't been in your home watching you. <laughs> Here he tells us, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to sh- serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Um, I think one of the first things we see this as believers, all of us have at least one spiritual gift. It says, as each one has received a gift. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you have trusted in him, if you've been born again, then you have a spiritual gift. Peter here is saying, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Our gifts as believers are not given to us to bring glory to ourselves. They're not given to us so that we might be able to boast and say, look at me. I'm pretty great. Our gifts have been given to us so that we can serve one another. As stewards of God's very grace. As, as a steward, uh, that, that connotes somebody who is not the person who actually owns something. Our gifts are not ours to possess. They're not intrinsic to us. Instead, we are merely stewards of them. God has given us these things and we're to be responsible managers of the things that God has given us. Our talents, our treasure, We're to be faithful stewards of God's various varied grace. And then he, he, he classifies the gifts in two different ways. Um, and I think these are general categories. He talks about gifts of serving and gifts of speaking in the other order. And as we think about Paul's list, he's more comprehensive in, in, in the list of gifts that he gives. Uh, he, he gives a list that include things like prophecy and teaching and apostleship and, 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 and encouraging and all these different things. And I think each of the ones that I've just named and some of the others are gifts of speaking. And uh, he also speaks of things, gifts of things like helps and gifts of things like giving and, 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 and other gifts that may be gifts of service, these service-oriented gifts. There's, I don't believe there's any contradiction there between what Paul said about gifts and what Peter said about gifts. And no, uh, Paul was more comprehensive in naming out specific ways that gifts are meted out. And um, Peter here is giving two general categories. And what Peter says here about gifts is he says... Um, 
As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as a good steward of God's various grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Sunday school teachers, preachers, whatever evangelists, whatever circumstance, if you're somebody who's able to open your mouth for the gospel in whatever place you are, um, whoever speaks, speak as the oracles of God. Don't, you're not taking credit for anything yourself. You're not coming up with something new and innovative. When, when we speak using our spiritual gifts, we are pointing back to what God has said. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing uh, biblically um, praiseworthy about being innovative. It, we speak as though we speak the oracles of God. We, we, we understand this is not or originate in us. This is from Him. And, and that ought to carry a weightiness to it. We ought to maybe tremble when we speak what God has said. We ought to have a, a, a realization that, that the things that we say from Scripture are eternal. They have eternal consequences and they can affect someone's eternal destiny. Then he says, whoever serves, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He doesn't give any indication that speaking gifts are greater than serving gifts. No. He doesn't indicate that one is better than the other. Let's think about serving gifts. Helping out in the kitchen. I'm talking about like church dinners and things like that, right? Helping out in the church kitchen, right? Uh, um, taking care of benevolence needs in the community. Serving gifts. Um, delivering food for Meals on Wheels. It's a serving gift. All of those kinds of things, taking care, you know, going and volunteering at a, uh, a women's shelter. Those are all serving gifts. And here, Peter tells us, if we've been given these gifts, that we are to serve in the strength that God supplies. Maybe when we serve, we feel like, I don't have anything more to give. This is so draining. If we serve... Not on our own power, not on our own strength, but in the strength that God supplies. When we feel like we can't keep going any longer, He can continue to give us the strength to be able to serve. He can take our little and make it much for His glory. Finally, He says all of this for a purpose. Purpose or purpose? Purpose. Purpose. <laughs> In order that. There's a purpose here. So we remember, I'm going to back up here. We remember that the end of days is upon us, right? The end is at hand, it is near. 
And so because of that, we live soberly, we love one another, we show hospitality, we, serve, we speak with it, it in mind that we're speaking the oracles of God, we serve in the strength that God supplies in order that, we do all of those things, in order that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The purpose of it all, the, the reason why we are to live sober-minded, the reason we are to live in such a way that shows our love for one another, and the, we, the reason why we overlook what we perceive to be false in other people, the reason why we, ser- we speak as the oracles of God, and the reason why we serve in the strength that God supplies, all of those things is so that He gets the glory. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He has been given a kingdom that will never pass away. Our lives in all that we do should all be centered around bringing glory to our King. We live in the midst of a hostile world. We live in the midst of a a foreign land, so to speak, knowing that our King to whom we owe allegiance is coming. He is coming one day And it won't be long. We live as citizens of another kingdom in the midst of this hostile world, loving one another, serving with the strength that God supplies so that He would be glorified. We want people to look at us and see the way we behave in loving one another, in forgiving one another, in having a clear mind, in all of these things. We want, when others see us living that way, we want them to give glory to Jesus. We want them to see a difference in our lives. We don't want them to look at us and say, all they care about is politics. What we want them to do is to look at us and say, whatever way the wind blows, that's a person who loves Jesus. So, let's be people who live out this in our lives. Keep a sober mind. Don't fall into panic whatever way the election goes. Don't Do that, but be sober-minded, be self-controlled, love one another even if you disagree with them, and serve so that Jesus would receive all the glory. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.